Welcome back to Voices in My Head, episode number 125. I am your host, Rick Lee James, and we've done it. Today is number 10 of 10, episode 10 of 10 in the sermon series that I did a few weeks ago in West Virginia, Questions from God. I hope you have enjoyed this series as much as I have enjoyed bringing it to you here on the Voices in My Head podcast. Um, I had to do a lot of studying to get ready for those 10 sermons, and uh, I still feel like God is working and moving in me and changing my thoughts and directions. Uh, Is that what you think, Alex? My son Alex is here in the studio with me. Hey, do me a favor. Go to my website sometime, rickleejames.com. Check out all the great things we have going on there. Um, Everything from uh, a new album coming up, which you can help be a part of. We've got lots of CDs, books, things like that. And uh, it's just a really good place to help stay informed. Also, go to my Twitter page at rickleejames if you're a Twitter follower. Or if you're on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash rickleejames. You'll be able to follow all the things that I have going on. I do have some exciting news coming up. Not quite ready to share all of it yet, uh, but it has to do with the next album, and I'm so excited. And next week, my guest is Lifeway recording artist Shelly E. Johnson. It's going to be a great show. So thanks for listening to Voices in My Head. Here's part 10 of our sermon series. God bless. Well, I'll tell you what, if you have any offering you want to give tonight, just come to me after service and hand it to me. I'll make sure it gets somewhere. So, anyway, I'll try to tilt and talk mostly to this side, but there's a few over here. Uh, Hey, it's been great to be with you this week in West Virginia, and I I just thank you so much for having me in. Uh, I want to thank one more time, uh, I just love the music that Carlos and the praise team have brought this week. So let's thank them together again. And it's, it's just been wonderful times of worship. Carlos, please pray for him tonight. He's going to be driving back home to Ohio. He misses his family, and uh, so he wants to be there to wake up for his children in the morning when they get there. So pray for him as you uh, are going to bed tonight, because he may still be on the road. Maybe not. Maybe you'll be home by then. But uh, thank you again. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy to get to be here, and uh, I've fallen in love with West Virginia. Uh, almost heaven's a pretty good phrase, so I'm, I'm all right with that. Um, We're going to look tonight together in this one last session at this final question from God. The question from God is this tonight. Who do people say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? We're going to look at a passage that we looked at with the teens in their service this morning tonight. It's from Mark chapter 8 verses 27 through 38. Will you stand with me for the reading of God's word tonight? Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. 
Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord, and we are grateful for it. Thank you. You can be seated this evening. I asked the teens this morning, and I'm going to ask you again, what religion were Jesus and his disciples a part of? Just shout it out. Yeah, Judaism. They were Jewish. They were a part of the Jewish religion. With that in mind, there were expectations that the Jewish religion had for Messiah. We talked about a lot of them this morning, and I read straight from the Jewish religion what they believe and what they are still waiting for and still expecting out of the Messiah. A charismatic military leader. A descendant of David who would win battles. He will be universally accepted by everyone in the world. He will be completely human. Not God, not a demigod, completely human. He will establish a government in Israel that will rule the entire world. If the Messiah dies without fulfilling any of these things, then he is not the Messiah. It is very clear in the Jewish religion if the Messiah dies before completing the tasks that make them Messiah, they are not Messiah. Jewish people will tell you that there have been other people who have come even closer than Jesus to being the Messiah. So it gets very tricky. But there are also things, you know, these are the things that the disciples thought the Messiah was going to be. Because this is what their religion told them. This was the expectation of the day. These are things that the disciples expected from Jesus, even at this moment when they are being questioned by him. That's what a Messiah did. They didn't think that he was God. They thought he was just Messiah. Jews are still not looking for a God-man. They never were. The disciples, like every other Jew, thought Jesus was going to take over the world, humiliate the Romans, humiliate the Samaritans, and humiliate every other enemy that they had ever had. They believed the Messiah was going to rule the whole world and they were going to be his entourage, his rulers in the coming kingdom. So when Peter answered, you are the Messiah, that is the kind of Messiah Peter was expecting. Just like all the other disciples. I think the other disciples might have been scared to say it because there's only one Messiah and if Jesus wasn't it, they would look pretty foolish but Peter is brave, he's confident, he knows exactly who Jesus is, so he thinks. And as soon as the affirmation is made that Jesus is Messiah, Jesus sternly warns them, don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's a 
great evangelism strategy, really. I mean, we've taken it on perfectly in our society today. I think it's because their idea of Messiah was not God's idea of Messiah. He immediately starts to baffle them. Immediately after, yes, you're the Messiah, he says, don't tell anybody, and here's why. He starts to tell them all these things that would disqualify him from being Messiah. Immediately after the affirmation, he says the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. He will be killed, and after three days he will rise again. And he said all this quite openly. Well, all these things fly in the face of Jewish expectations. Messiahs can't die. Messiahs can't be rejected. They're universally accepted. You will conquer. You won't be rejected. And Peter takes him aside and begins to rebuke him. It's this word in the, in the Greek. I'm going to try to pronounce it. It's, it's kind of tough for me. Apitimao, I believe. It sounds like a, a word Native Americans might say. Apitimao. No, it's apitimao. I said it right that time. It means rebuke or warn. Peter warns Jesus. It's not just rebuke. It also means warning you. I'm warning you, Jesus. You're going about this the wrong way. You're going to lose all the followers you have. I am warning you, Jesus. If you can imagine Peter being that stern, that's the language that's being used there. And Jesus, Jesus not Jesus, I promise, it's Jesus. Jesus rebukes Peter but he's talking to all the disciples. It says he turns to the disciples and he rebukes Peter. And he says, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is on human things, not divine. Maybe to say it a better way is you've got a completely messed up idea of what the Messiah is. I'm telling you that your expectations of Messiah, when he says, get behind me, Satan, he says, your expectations are more along the lines of what Satan has in mind. That's a tough thing to hear. You've learned what your religion has to say, what people have told you, but I am the Word made flesh. I am telling you what God says. This is what it means to be Messiah. If you want to be my followers, you need to expect not glory, but a cross. However, in laying down your lives, you will find them. Jesus sort of does the same thing in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. Jesus had been in the wilderness being tempted by Satan to be the kind of thing, the kind of Messiah that the Jews were expecting. That's what he was being tempted about in the wilderness from Satan. And he comes out of the wilderness and he starts traveling around teaching in the synagogues. And in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21, we read this. When he came to Nazareth, where, there had been, where he had been brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today, 
this scripture has been fulfilled. You remember that word? Has been fulfilled in your hearing. In the Greek, it says they marveled at the gracious way he spoke. That's our hometown boy, Joseph's son. He's telling us he's the Messiah. Yes, those Romans are finally going to get what they deserve. Those Samaritans are going to be wiped out. We're going to take everything over again and everybody's going to follow him. But Jesus, you forgot to finish the scripture you were reading. You know, you were just reading Isaiah 61. Why didn't you finish it, Jesus? Well, the text doesn't tell you this, but everyone knew it. Jesus didn't read the last part of Isaiah 61. And this became very scandalous. This would be like him leaving off of part of John 3.16 today, if he were to do this to us. It was a familiar passage. It was that familiar. It would be as if we started, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes, sitting down, rolling up the scroll, and being done. Because the scripture actually says this from Isaiah 61. And Jesus is very intentional about leaving part of it out. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of the Lord. Jesus left it off because that was not his mission. The vengeance of the Lord, that part was not in God's plan. Jesus was making that very clear that he would have no part of it. Jesus then says a lot of things to them about how he's not going to be their expected Messiah. He implies that he is going to carry his message to Gentiles and to non-Jewish sinners and heaven forbid, even the Romans. He says he's going out like Elijah to the Gentiles. In essence, he's telling them their idea of Messiah is a little bit off. It's like saying, you know, it's like Jesus is saying to them, you want me to change my view of what a Messiah is, but I am Messiah, and I am God's word made flesh, and I am what God has to say. And in record time, he went from having the favor of all the people to them turning into an angry mob and trying to throw him off a cliff. It makes people angry when God doesn't want to be angry. It's kind of a funny thing when you think about it. It's a similar tone when Peter is saying, I am warning you, Jesus. You're getting this wrong. Don't you understand what a Messiah is? And Jesus says, you're expecting not what God wants, Peter. You're expecting what humans want. A lot of people say they know who Jesus is. But the way they act, the way they live, the way they believe, really shows that they know a different Jesus than we are shown through his revelation to us. One other story comes to mind from Scripture. In Acts 19, verses 11 through 17, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, 
so that when handkerchiefs or aprons had touched his skin, they were brought to the sick. Their diseases left them, and evil spirits came out of them. Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit said to them in reply, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered them all, and so overpowered them that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. It's similar to the language in Genesis of where sin overcomes and leaps on Cain when Cain overcomes and leaps on Abel. And when it says sin is waiting to pounce upon you, it's that similar type language where this man that is possessed by these evil spirits pounces upon seven men and runs them out naked and bleeding. When this became known to all residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, everyone was awestruck and the name of the Lord was praised. We know Jesus. We know Paul. We don't know you the most terrifying words I could ever imagine evil saying to me if I was to come to it in the name of Jesus. Peter still didn't get it. Right down to the night Judas betrayed Jesus in the garden, Peter cuts off Malchus's ear, the servant of the high priest. Peter was ready to start the revolution right there. And Jesus rebukes him again and heals Malchus, the very one who came to have him executed. Let me ask a question tonight in closing. Are we the kind of Christians who go around like Jesus being healers of people's wounds, or are we the kind of Christians that go around chopping off people's ears? Are you a Christian like Peter, who wants so badly to follow Jesus, but you just can't seem to chopping off people's ears. The things you say, they hurt, they cut. And it kind of makes it impossible for people to listen to you. Sometimes I wonder about lost friends and family members who don't listen when we want to tell them about Jesus. Maybe we're cutting off their ears when Jesus is trying to heal them. Jesus almost categorically denies everything that these Jews were expecting from Messiah. So I don't blame them for not believing in Jesus. But God is greater than religion. And I love religion. I do. I'm not against religion. I think it's beautiful and I think it can be beautiful. But God is greater than even our expectations of Him. It's not so much that God is not in a box. I hear that all the time. You can't put God in a box. Well, here's the thing. God is who He is. And He will never be unfaithful to who He is. So in a sense, God has put Himself in a box. But the box we imagine for Him is not nearly big enough. He has set the parameters. We have not. Some of us here may be convinced we know Jesus tonight. But every now and then, Jesus has to come to us personally and do a little gentle rebuking back at us and say, you really don't know me in this matter, do you? I know you think you're following me in this. I know you're sincere. 
I know you want God's will more than anything. But child, listen. You're not doing what I want. I still love you. Peter, upon this church, I'm still going to build. Upon this rock, Peter, I'm still going to build my church. I still love you. But in this matter, Peter, you're just wrong. It's okay for Jesus to tell us that. It's okay for us as Christians to admit it. It's okay for us to repent. I fear the evil is looking some of us in the face and saying, Jesus, I know, Paul, I know, but I don't know who you are. And it's maybe for this reason. Maybe pride is in the way. Maybe it's not. But the table is a place of new beginnings. I love that Jesus picked the image of a table as a way to call people unto himself. Because a table is a way to sit with people that we love and listen to their story, to hear them out. And Jesus welcomes all of us to his table one more time. I am hopefully have never this week, I hope I have not ever presented an image that I am trying to cast stones at you with the word of God. I hope I have presented this week a God who wants to welcome every person to the table. A God whose table is big enough to accommodate all. Now sometimes that table gets a little crowded and we have to make more room. That's okay. Sometimes when a new child comes into the family, it'll disrupt things a little bit. Trust me, I have a new child. You got to make arrangements for that new one to come in. You got to start teaching them things. They don't know anything when they come into the world. You realize this? My son doesn't know anything. <laughs> I have to teach it all to him. But what a joy when he starts understanding and when he starts getting it. I think that's how God sees his children. It's time to put a few more chairs around the table. It's time to teach how to eat. Sometimes we've got to start them on milk. They aren't ready for the solid stuff yet, but then they grow into it. They start becoming mature. Jesus is telling us tonight, it's time to make the table a little bigger. If we've got to knock out a wall, we'll knock out a wall. I'm making a big house. I'm preparing that place. Thank God. I want to invite us to the table in closing one more time tonight. A place where we discover a new identity. A new character. A new generosity. The love of Jesus accepting His invitation to come and be to be still and know that He is God, as it says in Scripture. Every morning in the teen service, we have been reciting a creed together. And we're going to recite that tonight in our final service here together in this contemporary service. It's the Maasai Creed from the Maasai people in Africa. Uh, I got to meet, thanks to my parents who were missionaries there, I got to meet a few Maasai people uh, while I was there. It was a neat experience. They have one of the most beautiful creeds in all Christianity. It states so beautifully what we believe. And it even uses hyenas. I love that because they have hyenas there. But we're going to recite it together. And afterwards we're going to go to the table. But I would like to ask you to recite what we believe as Christians tonight through this beautiful Maasai Creed. We believe in the one high God who out of love created the beautiful world and everything good in it. He created man and wanted man to be happy in the world. 
God loves the world and every nation and tribe on the earth. We have known this high God in darkness, and now we know Him in the light. God promised in the book of His Word, the Bible, that He would save the world and all the nations and tribes. We believe that God made good His promise by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, a man in the flesh, a Jew by tribe, born poor in a little village who left his home and was always on safari doing good, curing people by the power of God, teaching about God and man, showing the meaning of religion is love. He was rejected by his people, tortured and nailed hands and feet to a cross and died. He lay buried in the grave, but the hyenas did not touch him. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. He ascended to the skies. He is the Lord. We believe that all our sins are forgiven through him. All who have faith in him must be sorry for their sins, be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God, live the rules of love, and share the bread together in love to announce the good news to others until Jesus comes again. We are waiting for Him. He is alive. He lives. This we believe. Amen. On the night He was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and thanked God for it and broke it and He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this as a memorial of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This is the covenant in my new blood. Whenever you drink it, do this as a memorial of me. Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body given for you. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, shed for you and for all men for the forgiveness of sin. Do this and remembrance of me. And again tonight, we will be inviting you to this table to take the bread, the body of Christ, to dip it in the cup, the blood of Christ, and to once again accept the invitation of Jesus into who you are as you take it and receive it from Jesus himself. This is the table not of the church, but of the Lord. It is to be made ready for those who love Him and who want to love Him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who have not been here for a very long time. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed. Come not because it is I who invite you. It is our Lord. It is His will that those who want Him should meet him here. Thanks be to God. Won't you come and once again join this feast this evening? You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. And I'd love this to be a community experience. So if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, 
You can give me suggestions for future shows. You can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.